pray that this coming week you'll read these last chapters in each one of the Gospels as we're told about how Jesus died on the cross, how he was buried, and how he rose again on the third day. I'm going to pray in just a minute, and then I want to do something that's going to seem very, very childish. I'm going to read uh, out of a little child's devotional to you, and I'll explain that in just a minute. But again, I want to encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 24, and I'm going to read verses 13 to 36. Let's pray together. Father, we are so blessed to know you and to know that your Son left heaven and came to earth because all of us had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we could not and would not save ourselves. But thank you that in his death on the cross and his shed blood, our sins have been washed away. And he took upon himself our guilt and our shame. Thank you, Father, that as your son died, he promised that he would rise again on the third day. And thank you, Father, that the gospel accounts tell us exactly how that happened. And thank you, Father, that we can know your son, that it's not just a good religious story, but truly it is God Almighty himself coming and dwelling in our lives and in our hearts, guiding our paths each day being real to us because of the relationship that we have with you through your Son. Father, please speak in these moments ahead. Lord, our prayer is that if there is anyone here that has only heard that Jesus died for them, may they now hear that Jesus lives and he wants to live in their heart also. And Father, as Christians and as a body of believers, the church, may your Son live in us. And may our focus be to tell the world that he is risen, he's alive, and he will save those who call upon him. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Wednesday night at the end of Bible study, and it really didn't have anything to do with Bible study, and I actually got in trouble, and I got reprimanded whenever I got home. But... um, not every weekend, but most weekends, we read uh, Bibles. I've got to tell you a quick grandchild story, okay? We read a Bible story to, to Ella, and we let her pick it out. And uh, not this weekend, but last weekend, she said, Granddad, I want you to read about when Jesus died on the cross. And this is out of the little book. It's entitled uh, Read and Share Early Reader Bible Stories. So <clears throat> on Friday night, we read this story, Jesus is Killed on the Cross. Pilate's soldiers took Jesus and put a crown of thorns on his head and made fun of him. Then they led Jesus out of the city to a place called Golgotha to be killed on a cross. At 9 o'clock in the morning, the soldiers nailed Jesus to the cross. They also put two robbers beside Jesus, one on the right and one on the left. At the end of every devotion, there's a little, just a little caption. The day God's son died on the cross was a sad day, but God had a wonderful plan. Keep reading, and you'll see what it was. And so the next day, Saturday night, a dark day, while Jesus was on the cross, the land became dark from noon until 3 o'clock. Then Jesus died, and there was a big earthquake. When the earth shook, the thick curtain in the temple between the holy place and the most holy place ripped from top to bottom. Now people could see inside the most holy place, 
Before, only the high priest got to see inside. When the soldiers at the cross saw what had happened when Jesus died, they knew he really was the Son of God. And here again is the little caption. Jesus died because he loved us. He died so that our sins could be forgiven. Let's tell him right now that we love him for what he did for us on the cross. And then on Friday night, we read this story. Jesus is laid in a tomb this Friday night. A rich man named Joseph of Arimathea had a new tomb where he had planned to be buried. He took Jesus' body from the cross and put it in his own empty tomb. Joseph and Jesus' friends were wrapped. Jesus' friends wrapped his body in strips of linen and laid it carefully in the tomb. Roman soldiers came to guard the tomb. They rolled a huge stone over the door and sealed it in such a way to show if anyone tried to move the stone. And again the caption, everyone thought that since Jesus was dead, they would never see him again. Can I read that one more time? Now this is not in the Bible, but listen. Listen to this. Everyone thought that Jesus was dead, they would never see him again. And here's what gripped me Friday night. They were in for a big surprise. Last night, it's entitled, A Big Surprise. The day after Jesus was buried was a holy day. So his friends had to stay home. Then early on Sunday morning, the first day of the week, the women went back to the tomb. It was the third day since Jesus died. When the women got there, they couldn't believe their eyes. The stone had been rolled away. An angel was sitting on the stone. The soldiers were so frightened they were like dead men. The angel said, don't be afraid. Jesus is alive. These women were as happy as they could be. They ran to find other friends of Jesus. Folks, as I prepared this message, I thought about the statement and that little devotional. There was going to be a big surprise. Folks, do you and I realize that that Easter morning, there was a big surprise to those folks that had been so much a part of Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry? Do you and I understand that one day when we see Jesus Christ face to face, and folks, I know many of us struggle with believing that I'm getting ahead of myself in the message. Folks, I want to tell you something. One day, if we haven't already sensed that we have been in his presence when we came to know the Lord as our Savior, one day we will see him face to face. That's what the Word of God promises. And Jesus had promised those disciples, and we'll read this in just a few minutes, that he would go to Jerusalem, that he would be tried, that he would be sentenced to death, that he would die on the cross, that he would be buried in a grave. But on the third day, he'd rise, and they would see him again. And folks, the story that I'm getting ready to read is about that big surprise. Because you see, on that first day of the week, on that resurrected day, the resurrection day, there were two men, and, and I'm not trying to give the story away, and we're going to read it and look at it, and then probably it's going to be two weeks from today when we really get into the details of this story. But, folks, these two men had left Jerusalem thinking that Jesus of Nazareth had been a phony or a fake, or he couldn't keep his promises because he promised he would rise on the third day, and it was the third day, and they could not find him. 
But there were some reports that he was raised from the dead. Just listen. Follow in your passage of Scripture, Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about these things that had happened. One Bible translator says that in the Greek, they were discussing. I mean, they were tore up. They did not understand why Jesus had made that promise and why he had not risen from the dead. Verse 15, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But notice verse 16, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Now, why did God do that? Why did Jesus do that? Folks, I think it's important to understand that God's timing here is involved. And folks, I want to ask you something. And, and, and I, I need to ask us this as a church. Do you and I recognize who Jesus is yet? We profess him as our Savior, but yet does he live in us? Does he live with us each and every day? Does he empower this church? Is Jesus Christ right here, right now? And the answer to all of the above is yes, he is. He's alive. He's not dead. And sometimes we need to have that divine awakening again. But God had planned a time for these two men so that they could see this resurrected Lord and understand what he had done for them. So their eyes were kept from recognizing them, and he said to them, What is this conversation which you're holding with each other as you walk? See, they had left Jerusalem with no hope. And they stood still, looking sad. Verse 18, Then one of them named Cleopas answered, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? They're saying everybody knows that a man was put to death. Uh, and a man that was not guilty of any crimes, a man who had done miracles and had taught about God and explained the word of God and had promised that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and that he would rise again. Don't you know these things? In verse 19, Jesus said to them, What things? And they said, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who is a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. You remember what Paul says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15? If we only have hope, we are of all men most miserable, if it's only hope. And folks, if I'm standing before you today telling you a false story about a man who lived 2,000 years ago, what a big liar I am and how miserable our life is because we don't have a Savior. But folks, the Word of God, the people of God testify that Jesus Christ is alive today. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And yes, besides all this, it is now the third day since this happened. These two men knew that Jesus had promised on the third day he would rise from the dead. And listen to verse 22. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body and came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels. Now stop for just a second. And thank God for these women. Folks, they were the last ones at the cross, and they were first ones at the empty tomb. 
in that day, the witness of women was not held to be very strong information about an event that had happened. You remember again what Paul says, the preaching of the cross seems like foolishness to the wisdom of the world. And God has chosen what seems foolish to announce his plans and what he has done. Perhaps the folks that they least expected to be the first witnesses were these women. And they came telling these disciples that the Lord was risen. And listen to what they say in verse 23. Not only that they've seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found in it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. And then Jesus said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And folks, please notice this. You know, we discount the Old Testament. And sometimes we just say, well, the Bible's really not that important. Let me tell you something. The Word of God is the Word of God. It is important in everything that we do and everything that we share. And Jesus is here saying that the Old Testament had presented not only a suffering servant but a living Savior. In verse 26, it was not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them and all the scriptures, the things concerning him. Folks, they wanted proof of the resurrection. If you want proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, begin to read and study the word of God. Jesus uses the scriptures. He uses the Bible. I hope you never get tired of hearing the Word of God read and explained and taught and preached, whether it's from this pulpit or from your Sunday school classroom or Bible studies. Folks, the Word of God is about the Son of God, and we cannot fully understand the death and resurrection of Jesus until we find out what's said in the Word of God. Verse 28, they drew near to the village which they were going. He appeared to be going farther, but they constrained him, saying, Stay with us, for it is... Toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. Remember again, they do not yet know who this is. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Folks, God's always at work. God's always got a plan. And if you do not yet know Jesus as your personal Savior, guess what? God's got a plan for you to know who this man is. He is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And whether you will acknowledge that in this life or the life to come, you will acknowledge one day that Jesus is the Son of God. That's not a threatening statement. That's just the absolute truth. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But at this moment... The divine revelation happens. And folks, it might seem strange when their eyes were opened, he vanished out of their sight. Jesus' mission to them was complete. And look at this. They had moved from having hoped that Jesus was the Messiah to now knowing that he is. They have seen the living Lord. Verse 32, they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the Scriptures? And they rose that same hour, returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven gathered together and those who were with them who said, The Lord has risen indeed and appeared to Simon. And folks, guess what? It's testimony time. Look at verse 35. 
Then they told what had happened on the road, how he was made known to them in the breaking of bread. Folks, this is such a tremendous story. Folks, they had hoped that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah. Now they know that he is the Messiah because they have seen the resurrected Lord. They knew that Jesus had died on the cross. It doesn't give us details as whether or not they were in the crowd. Apparently they were, but they knew that Jesus had shed his blood and died on the cross, that he had been buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. But guess what? He was alive. Folks, why is this story so important? Folks, if only we believe that Jesus died, we don't have the whole story. And folks, I'm sure that there are many people that would say, yes, Jesus was a good and religious man, and I believe that he died on a cross outside of Jerusalem, but that stuff about the resurrection, I just don't know if I can, I can believe that or not. But let me point something out. The gospel is incomplete without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And let me, let me point something out. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, and I think just in recent weeks we've read these verses because Paul condenses the gospel into four verses. Well, actually two. But let me read these verses to you. And something that, that came into my mind this past week is that when Paul wrote these words, he, of course, was defending the resurrection of Jesus because there were some that said that Jesus wasn't raised from the dead or there's no resurrection from the dead. And it is thought that the only gospel that had been written prior to this time was the gospel of Mark that Matthew, Luke, and John had not yet been written. And so, folks, these words that Paul is speaking here are some of the first words that the early church heard about what the gospel is. What it, in, what it, what it uh, includes. And listen to what he says. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 4. Now I would remind you, brethren, in what term I preached to you the gospel which you were received and which you stand. And look at this. By which you are saved. This was before churches, church membership. There were churches. But this was before people depending upon church membership for salvation or water baptism. And I'm not trying to be sarcastic. If you base your salvation on church membership and being baptized in our baptistry, you're lost. If you base your, baptism, your, your, your salvation on Jesus dying, being buried and raised from the dead, you'll know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. But listen to what he says. By this you're saved if you hold it fast unless you believe in vain. Now listen to these two verses, verse 3 and 4. For I delivered you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Folks, this is it. Jesus came from heaven as the Son of God. He died on the cross as a suffering servant prophesied in the Old Testament. He was buried, and on the third day as he promised, he rose again. Folks, Again, why is this so important? How many people, even professing Christians, actively involved in church, privately or publicly, don't know if they can believe that Jesus rose from the dead? We would say, yes, I believe he died on the cross. There's plenty of documentation for that. But is he alive today? What I mean by that, and I'm not picking on any age group, but older adults approaching death, it concerns me when I hear someone say, I don't know if I'm saved. 
I don't know if there's a heaven. I don't know if there's life after death. Folks, listen, this resurrected Lord proclaims that he can save, that he has prepared a place for us in heaven, and that he will lead us from death into eternal life. Folks, that's his promises. A dead Jesus can't do that for you, but a living Jesus can. And folks, that's why the the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so vitally important. And young people, and please again, no criticism whatsoever. But young people grow up in our churches and they're taught that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came to earth and died on a cross to save them, that he is alive, he rose on the third day, he lives today in heaven and on earth, and he lives in us. And Jesus is the spiritual power source of every Christian in church because he is alive through the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the living foundation for our life. And Jesus will be with us every day. But so often, and it's not just your generation, it's every generation, as we get older, we begin to think less and less of spiritual things in other church, in other Bible. And folks, we get caught up in the life and world about us. Let me tell you what Satan then does. Satan begins to place doubts and fears and disbelief in our heart. But folks, I want you to know what believing in Jesus truly means. It is more than having a head knowledge. It's a heart knowledge. It's a knowledge that comes because we experience the living presence of a living Lord in our life. If, you, if we could bring those two men on the road to Emmaus to come in and, and give their testimony, you know what they'd say? I saw him die on the cross. I heard that he was a good man. I know that he was buried in the tomb. But I know that he lives because he walked with us and he talked with us. Somebody ought to make a song about that, shouldn't he? Just seeing if y'all are still here, all right? Folks, they knew. To believe in Jesus Christ, it's not just of the head, but it's of the heart. We know him because he walks with us and he talks with us and he becomes the purpose of our life. And folks, he is alive. He is alive. And this morning, whether you're young and old, I want to ask you, do you believe that Jesus is alive today? Do you believe that Jesus will save you and empower you and live through and in you? And one day he's going to welcome us home to eternity. Folks, let me point out what the message of Easter is. In verses 1 through 6 in chapter 24. Let me read these 1 through 7. Let me read these verses. We've already read them in the children's Bible study, but let me, devotional, but let me read these to you. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Jesus was dead. The spices were to embalm his body. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And I forget the Bible commentary who wrote this, and I've read this to you before, but the Bible commentator said the stone was rolled away not so that Jesus could get out, but so that the women and the world could see that the tomb was empty, that Jesus was risen from the dead. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men, who would they be? Angels. Two angels in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. 
In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why? Now listen to this. This is the Easter story right here. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Folks, that's the Easter story. Don't look for Jesus in the cemetery. Look for him in our day-to-day lives, in our hearts, in our churches, in our homes, in our families. Folks, he is alive. Folks, isn't it so very beautiful that when Jesus came to earth as a baby, the angels announced the good news that the Savior had come. And isn't it beautiful that on the day of Jesus' resurrection, the angels are announcing to these women, he's alive. He's alive. He is not here, verse 6. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and what? On the third day be raised again. And again, folks, before we look at this story, and I'm just I'm going to wind this down in just a minute, okay? Before we look at the story of the two men on the road to Emmaus, I want you to know all this has happened, okay? Folks, there's doubt. There's doubt. Folks, do you and I have reasons to believe that Jesus is alive? Do you and I have reasons to believe that he is the Son of God, he is the King of kings, and is the Lord of lords, that he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world? Why believe that our salvation is secure in Jesus? Why believe that Jesus is available to us every day? Why believe that Jesus will provide for us and guide us daily and he will live with us daily? And there's nothing that we face that we will be alone, that Jesus has plans for us. Why believe that he has prepared a place for us in heaven? Why believe that Jesus is coming again? I'll tell you why. Because he is alive. Death could not hold him back. And I've got ten reasons, I believe, that are borne out in the Scripture to believe that Jesus is alive. And I want to go through this first one, and then I'll stop, okay? Number one, we can believe that Jesus is alive, that he is risen, because Jesus said that he would die and be buried, and he would rise on the third day. And that's scattered throughout the Gospels, but I just specifically want to point out in Mark. Let me read these verses to you. Mark chapter 8, verse 31, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. Mark chapter 9, verse 31, For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man will be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and when he is killed, after three days he will rise. And then in chapter 10, verses 33, and 34. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. Now, folks, let me tell you something. Either Jesus was the biggest liar in history or he was the Son of God and the Savior of the world. 
And the sure sign would be his resurrection from the dead. Now, folks, I want to close by reading again John 14, 6 in this context. We often quote this verse because we say there is only one way to heaven. And, folks, there's only one way to heaven. And it is through the risen, living Son of God. Listen to what Jesus says, John 14, 6. Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You know, Jesus was crucified because they said he was a blasphemer. He claimed to be God. What is one of the characteristics of God? Many characteristics, attributes, but one of them is he cannot lie. And because Jesus is the Son of God, he cannot lie either. When he said, I'm going into Jerusalem, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to be buried, but on the third day, he was not lying. And when he says that he can come into my heart and your heart and give us new life and give us eternal life, it is because he is the way, the truth, and the life. I pray this week that if you've not yet made a decision about believing in Jesus as your personal Savior, as the living Lord, I pray that you'll read these passages of Scripture. And just like those two men on the road to Emmaus, you will let the Spirit of God speak to you, and you'll recognize who Jesus truly is. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for volunteering to come knowing that a cross and suffering awaited you, but knowing also that resurrection from the dead and the glory that you had with the Father before you left heaven would be restored to you. Father, the world does not believe this story, and we know that. And I pray, Father, for the world that it would turn to your Son and examine his claims, and that the Holy Spirit would take the words of the gospel and the words of the scriptures and the testimonies of others, and most especially your words, and lead the world to yourself. And Father, as we think about people in our community, help us, Lord, to share the story that Jesus is alive. Lord, for those in our congregation this morning. Perhaps they've heard the gospel many, many times, but yet they've never trusted Christ as Savior. Father, as you revealed your Son to the two men on the road to Emmaus, now reveal your Son to them. For young people who this weekend have got to spend a lot of time together in the Word and praying and fellowshipping with each other, and I pray, Father, fellowshipping with you, I pray that you'll speak to them too. Lord, transfer a knowledge of the resurrection of Christ from our head to our heart so that Jesus can truly live in us. And thank you again, Lord Jesus, that even a child can understand that Jesus lived, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. Father, have your will and your way in these moments of invitation. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen.